Hello, world, and welcome to episode number 41. We're already here. I'm Mike Levy, the guy who usually hosts these things, and today we're talking racing rumors and team changes. There have been a ton of announcements over the last week, and we're going to cover them all today. As far as silly seasons go, this has probably been the silliest one in a while. Today, I've got my unpaid intern, Mike Casimer, boss man, Brian Park, and the lorry to our truck professional mountain boarder James Smirthwaite to talk all things racing. James, we always start these, these things with the question, and I'm going to aim this one right at you because I know you're a huge racing fan. Let's pretend that you're a successful World Cup downhiller. Who would you want to sign for for next year? Oh, um, yeah. I think if you'd asked me two years ago, 100% would have said that intense team with Dean Lucas, Jack Moyer, Charlie Harrison just looked like the most fun time like they yeah looked like a really good setup um now i don't know maybe like the yt mob i'd love to pick martin whiteley's brain like he's a smart switched on guy i'd love to know all his like behind the scenes secrets and things like that so yeah seeing as i'm not gonna podium whatever bike i'm riding that's that's what i'm going no for. you are though you are <laughs> let's put we're pretending <laughs> oh right oh i'll bring back the uh the orange 222 team then and i'll just you're going way thing. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> okay, okay. Casimir, you're a successful World Cup downhiller. You're looking for a new team for next year. Who do you want to sign with? Well, other than Honda, of course. And uh, why? Well, because the Gearbox bike. Yeah, they're going to have to bring that back, the 2021 version. But take that off the table. I'd probably go Syndicate. I just always, I just like how pro those guys seem. They've got it figured out, but they have a good balance of good times after the races too. So that'd be my dream team if I was yeah, it looks- very fast. It looks like a mix of like factory and fun. Yeah, right? that's what I'd want. Exactly. Right. How about you? And boss man, Brian, oh. who are you racing for? Oh, man. So I'm I'm a successful World Cup downhiller. I'm yes. hitting podiums, winning by On, large margins. Sometimes, yeah. Seconds here and there, a couple yeah. times a year. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to be winning on a Huffy because fuck y'all. I did it all on my own with no support. I'm the world's most successful privateer riding a Huffy. Nobody's going to beat that ever. Pay me. Nobody said the pink bike factory team on the Grim Donut, because that's my pick. That's a good pick, dude. That's good, too. Yeah. The problem with that is it's too realistic. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the problem. (laughs) Next year, when we send you to all the World Cups to see how you do, (laughs) it'll come true. Yeah, all those World Cups. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, James. Take us to the news, but don't tell us about any team changes, because we're going to cover all that later. Um, Well, I will talk about one bit of team news, uh, but that's new PB editorial hires. Um, So our team is growing. uh, We're welcoming four new staff to help us produce more great stuff. Does that mean I have more bosses? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Four more. Um, So first of all, Seb Stock comes over from Bike Radar. Um, Personally, I've always admired his work. I use his suspension articles for reference a lot of the time when writing my own articles. So great to have him on board. Um, he was ra- he was a regular on the Bike Radar podcast, so maybe there'll be another British accent on here soon too. No, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Sam. You can come on, <laughs> taking yeah. over. But how will we be able to tell them apart for, for the listeners? Seb Seb is a super dork for those who aren't familiar with him. James, can you tell me what he's known for? He's known well. He's is his degree in experimental physics or some metaphysics or something. Um, And he's real good at super in-depth setup, suspension, 
guides and, and things like that and um, really sort of analytical uh, writing. So yeah, I think it'd be a really great addition to the team. We are stoked to add another super dork. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be good. He's also a very tall super dork. So everybody that's been complaining about how we're all the same height, we're not the same height as Seb. So now we got someone can ride the XL and XXL yeah, bikes. I'm so glad that to just have more uh, logistical complication for all of our things. We didn't have mm-hmm. enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. So this will help make things more complicated. For those, but... <laughs> it, we do actually try. It sounds like we're joking, but we do actually like in a perfect world, all editors would be the same height, wouldn't they, Brian? <laughs> Yeah, it's all about me here. I need everybody to conform to make things convenient for me. Well, it makes testing bikes easier and comparing bikes, things like that. Next up is a familiar face to anyone who watched the Pink Bike Academy, and that's Tom Bradshaw. He joins Christina and Cathro on our presenting team. Um, Brian, what made Tom stand out at the Academy? Oh, Tom's awesome. I got to hang out a little bit with him at the Academy, and we chatted a bunch after, and it's just, you know, he's got a lot of personality that you know, I don't think got to got to come through in the academy. And I was just like, yeah, this guy is switched on. He's a great rider. He's a great ambassador for the sport. Um, great coach. Yeah, he's got a lot to lot to share. He's also an absolute animal on the bike. So he's done all kinds of these horrible uh, endurance style rides. So yesterday we were chatting, Kaz, about... Uh, you're planning something, right? Yeah, we've got a, a plan. There's a couple of people, new additions to the team that are good at riding very long distances and suffering. So we might have to do some sort of impossible ride with me and Levy and Tom and maybe another special guest oh. that also can ride a lot. Um, sorry, it's not Nino, but it'll be someone that can ride a lot. So we'll see. Maybe something this summer happens, hopefully. Uh, next up, Alicia Leggett joins our news team. Um, expect to see plenty of industry and athlete news from her as she covers the North American beat. Probably uh fastest addition to the news team. You know, I don't know. Is that true? Sarah, so Sarah's, uh, I mean, to the news team. Yeah. So she's a, she's a quite a fast enduro racer. She's, she's had a, I think a top 20 in an EWS. Um, I think for the pink bike team, her, I mean, between her, Christina and Sarah, we've got some very fast ladies on the team, but yes, in terms of the news team, yeah, her and Sarah can duke it out. Yeah. Are we all going to enter the EWS this year in Whistler? All of Thinkbike? I think it's going to give our own no, Nobody works, all Craig works. Uh-huh. This is like, just all it sounds racing. perfect. It's like, did, yeah. it's like, did that race even happen? <laughs> nobody knows anything about it. Everybody would know what happened if I beat, but well, when I beat Casimir. Yeah, mm, yeah we'll see. <laughs> um, finally, Devin Francis continues to grow our video production team. Um, so welcome to all of those guys. And we look forward to showing you more of their work soon. Uh, moving on from that, uh, there's been more disruption for trade shows. Sea Otter pushed back again. Um, so it was originally scheduled for May 20th to the 23rd, which is a month later than usual. But conversations with health and permitting officials means it's now been pushed back to October. Um, that's probably not a huge surprise, um, but we're getting into pretty worrying territory now, uh, as shown by the cancellation of the London Bike Show. That was Britain's biggest bike show and its owner has gone bust. Um, two years without any money coming in has just been too much for those guys. And um, yeah, the London Bike Show is no more, not just this year, but, but any year. Okay, moving on. Um, Trek is being sued for its claims about the efficacy of its wave cell technology. You may remember WaveCell being touted um, as the biggest development in cycling in 30 years. It was claimed to be 48 times more protective than EPS foam. 
Um, this has been challenged by other brands in the past. Uh, Mips and Coroid both um, kind of put blog posts up um, challenging it. Uh, but now a New York man is suing Trek for $5 million um, because of them. His suit claims that Trek's marketing was false, deceptive and misleading. And he also questions the reliability of a study that Trek published at the same time that, that supported its claims. Um, Trek said in a, in a statement, um, it believes in and stands behind our Bontrager wave cell helmets. This lawsuit is without merit and we will vigorously defend it. The, plain, the plaintiff has not made an allegation of physical injury. Trek will continue to responsibly promote and improve this innovation in helmet technology. I, I Helmets are confusing. Brian, why can't we have some sort of study that says, you know, helmet A is offers this kind of protection, helmet B does this. Like, wh- why is it so confusing? Well, in large part, because there are lawsuits like this. If you get it, if you get it wrong, um, it's such an important thing. Everybody is very, very scared. So that's why what Virginia Tech is trying to do is so impressive. Um, it's also why more things like this haven't been done. I don't know. None of us are qualified to talk about the the whether this is a good lawsuit or a bad lawsuit or whether it has merit, you know, the s- smarter people than me will, will dig in on that. Sorry, what were you going to say? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I think we can still talk about it. It, mm-hmm. it. When Trek did come out with the wave cell stuff, like I went to the presentation in New York and checked it all out and they gave me all the Kool-Aid, but a lot of their marketing claims were, I would say over the top and just very strongly worded compared to what mm-hmm. you normally see from helmet manufacturers. Um, and they did do testing and all that. And, I think this lawsuit, the issue with this lawsuit is that the guy just saw some strongly worded claims and he's trying to make some money. Like he wasn't injured, nothing happened. And so that's where it's more of a, it's someone chasing, chasing what they saw as an issue just to make money, which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know if you can say that for sure. <laughs> he, fact, wasn't Kat, hurt, like, it, you, Kat, he wasn't hurt. He wasn't this person. Yeah, but you don't, you can't make that assumption. I, you know. That he wasn't I, hurt. No. Th- well, yeah. A, that he wasn't hurt and that B, that, that those are his motives. I'm pretty sure, well, I read about it, but he, I could read it again. I mean, he, he could know somebody that was, like, this topic could be something that's extremely close to him, and he might just simply not believe in these claims, or might feel like these claims allow people to kind of just throw caution into the wind. I don't know. We I know it's every confusing. Day. Cass, <laughs> you complain all the time. I complain all the time about terrible marketing claims. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not against- defending, I'm not defending Bontrager's thing, but I'm also saying that a $5 million lawsuit, it just seems like a waste of time. It it is a bummer if it stops people from uh, researching and developing more helmet stuff, but like, could he, maybe he could have gone after all the people that say that their suspension, their suspension platform has no compromises. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like that would be the best. Like if you could start independent of pedaling and braking forces, everybody totally sue you. I'm good with that. Like, if we could start there with the with the lawsuits, that would be great. We're still arguing about what matters when it comes to, like, the type of impacts and stuff, let alone what helmet is even safe. We should do – we should – I don't – Callie makes – Callie has a lot of interesting stuff about helmets, and so does, so does MIPS. Um, I was thinking we could do some real-world uh, helmet testing this year, <laughs> uh, Levy. What do you think? Uh, I feel like I do that too much as it is already. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's part of the issue with helmet testing. Like, you can do everything possible in the lab, but then in the real world, obviously things change, and you can't, it's not too many after-the-fact, like, helmet analysis happening, really, where you can tell exactly what happened and if, if a different helmet would have been any safer. So 
Yeah, it's a tricky thing. I'm glad I don't have to be involved with the uh, the balancing of marketing claims versus you know lab analysis and stuff. Kaz, I got a question for you. You're going out to buy a new helmet. Are you specifically looking for a helmet with some sort of um, technology in it, be it MIPS or those little pucks that Cali uses or WaveCell, or are you considering a more traditional helmet? I don't think those things hurt. Um, so I would probably look for something with th- that kind of rotational impact protecting technology. You know, it's hasn't been a hundred percent, you know, confirmed that a, a helmet without that is any worse. But I do think if you're, you know, at the counter at the store and you need to spend $10 more to get MIPS, it's probably worth it. Just, just that little extra security. You only got one head. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> might as well invest there. Hey? <laughs> Hospital bills aren't cheap. And yeah, it's, I, I think it's a, I do, I am glad that all these companies are trying different things. Wait, what are those? Yeah, not heard of them before. Hospital bills? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, you guys and your fancy socialized medicine. <laughs> Still won't bring my, bring my brain back, though. No, it's true. So yeah, I think that all the efforts to make helmets safe as possible, you know, it, it's a good thing. But um, it's also important to kind of, exercise a little bit of skepticism with claims from companies as well because you do sometimes see especially if something says it prevents a concussion or something like that it's just it's a really hard claim to make and prove so but yeah. flip side it might be really hard to disprove too so i'm curious mm-hmm. to see where this one goes yeah. uh, i hope i hope whatever happens that it doesn't stand in the way of helmet progress yeah exactly last bit of news then um you know when someone spent too much time in the pink bank comments? Well, um, the Shredmaster is a high pivot aluminium gearbox two nine a downhill bike that takes a water bottle. Um, this thing actually looks pretty great. Um, a lot of work has gone into it, despite its like meme like nature. Um, do you guys see any use for a water bottle in a downhill bike? Yeah, of course. You've got to stay hydrated. Peak performance. I mean, there's always plenty of room. Even if you look at a current Trek session or a Scott Gambler, any of those bikes, there's plenty of room you could put one in. And I've the number of times I've been at Whistler and stopped and drank water out of the water fountain because I'm not carrying water is very high. So if I had a water bottle, I would use it. You know who thinks it's silly? That ass clown in Nelson that comments on all the stuff about downhill bikes, Kaz. He's going to be guy like, is, he's I'm already typing bike. right now. I'm a shredder. I don't even drink water. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Is it, am I just the only person that's so happy to sandwich all of those words into a headline? It's like, it's got every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you did a good job. (laughs) Needs flat pedals, I guess. We could have put flat pedals in there, but. It looks like the old ghost downhill bike to me. You remember that, Kaz? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? It didn't last long, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a tube set line around that. Yeah. I don't think this is, that's what he did, but it looks like he just like cut the bottom of the triangle off and put a gearbox on there. I'm sure that's not what you did (laughs) if you're listening. (laughs) No, but this year has been a great year for all these home built bikes. It's it's awesome to see what everyone's coming up with. It seems like they have a little more time in their sheds and getting clever. Everybody locked away, going crazy, building Mm -hmm. cool stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Brian with his 3D printer. Everybody, Brian's just holding up some piece of black plastic i have no idea what it is but he he's very excited about it <laughs> brian's turning plastic into plastic that's his new program this plastic is still in fact plastic <laughs> all right we're going to move on to questions next and our first question is from cunning linguist i've seen this guy on pink bike for many many years now he's been around forever this is on the huck to flat 
movie. If you guys haven't seen it, I think there's 28 bikes. Poor Jason. Jason hucked 28 bikes to flat. Cutting Lingo says, is it just me or did the lefty survive the best here? So we've actually done a huck to flat on a bike with the lefty and we've, we filmed it. And you could easily see that the lefty is more rigid front to back. Um, big tubes, that triangular shaped stanchion tube. I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, the lefty is, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I've ridden a bunch of them. I've owned them. They feel more rigid and it definitely looks like that on video. Uh, the next one, Kaz, this one's for you. This is on your shoe review. This one's from Turbo Donuts. I approve of the name. Biggest thing for me, he says, is longevity. Spending $125 or more for shoes every year really bites. Old 510s were hard to kill and lasted two plus years. But I've been struggling to get more than a year of solid performance. Any recommendations? Turbo Donuts, I actually have a pair of black and blue 510s that are eight years old and they're still going strong. Kaz, what would you recommend? <laughs> That's for all your flat you pedal riding. <laughs> I I walk around in them. I use them as walking shoes because they're they have a super sticky sole. So when I'm walking around you on the hiking once trails. for the Grim Donut. You <laughs> use them yeah. once for the Grim Donut. That's true. Yeah. They're like new. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think $125. I'm using platforms a bunch this this winter, by the way, Brian. Proud of Good you. Job. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I think it's $125 every year. I mean, when you can say you're probably on a bike that cost a few thousand dollars i don't think that's a huge expenditure like it, it does stink that they're they wear out but if you're they're a disposable wait, item no, because they're wait you're okay with shoes wearing out in a year yes if you're riding mountain bikes on the rocks and they're you're putting pointy pins into them for hours at a time and grinding them around they're not going to last that long they're like especially if you, if you rock, to be sticky right yeah like if you're a rock climber you your soles wear out as you're climbing rocks and you get them resold yeah it'd be cool if you could resole shoes yes. a little more easily but um Kaz, yeah. do you think they've changed do you think that it used to be that there was more longevity because that doesn't that isn't the case for me but it might just be that i ride less now i haven't found there's been a, issues with longevity like you know every once in a while you get some shoes that something peels apart or fails earlier than it should but i still end up getting a, a season or two out of my shoes usually i mean again i'm going through a lot of different pairs but i think quality wise there hasn't been a drastic change um yeah, I, I think they're a wear item. It's maybe unfortunate, but it's something that just kind of goes with riding hard and doing a lot of, yeah, jamming pins into rubber is not a recipe for a long-term item. Is that what wears out? The soles? For most people, yeah. it's the sole <laughs> rather than like a D-lamb or, or the uppers? I think a lot of people do mark. complain about the soles the most, it seems like, from what I've seen. And yeah, you know, it's if you're shopping for shoes, it's good to look for like a, you know, if it's sewn on the toe. Mm-hmm. this toe is sewn instead of glued but um yeah or get some shoe goo and glue things back together i've definitely done that in the past when it starts separating but yeah um i'd, I'd rather have sticky shoes that work well over ones that last 20 years and slip everywhere levy you're so unsatisfied yeah. with that answer <laughs> well, you want to say i get that they're a wear item i get that but i feel like they should last more than a year even if you're riding you know four or five days a week I mean, mine maybe typically not. do, but I don't want to, you know, there are plenty of people that don't, so they might just have different riding styles or in rocky, pla- I, like super rocky places. If you're in Sedona and walking around on the sandstone all the time, probably doesn't last as long as here. We have kind of loamier, softer trails. Yeah. So if I, you rode, if you rode five days a week, your average ride was two hours. That's over 21 days of jamming your p- pedal, like 24 hour days of jamming your shoes into spiky pins that's a lot of time yeah i just have clipless shoes that 
have lasted me like I have a pair of white specialized shoes that have lasted me like these S-Works things for like five years. And I do wear them all the time outside here in Squamish. I just clip pop into the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Tim Hortons, exactly. like, hey guys. Skittering down rock faces. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's worth much. I will but mention though. There you go. Thing, no, I thought of another answer though. One thing I think we see with durability is some people are using their shoes as their everyday shoes. Like they're buying the shoes and then it's like as if it's their do everything. And that's going to definitely wear them out quicker. Like for me, I have bike shoes that I just wear for biking. And then I have normal, just like regular shoes I don't wear for biking. So if you are wearing your 510s or whatever shoes you have all day, every day, they're going to wear out pretty quick, like any shoe. I'm currently recording this in my white S-Works shoes that I put on when I wake up and just wear all day. <laughs> that, that's I, I wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> and your bib shorts. That's how you start the day. <laughs> I go to sleep in my bib shorts. Guys. They're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a hug, you know, like someone's just mm -hmm. like holding me gently all night long. And that brings us to our discussion for today. Somehow, racing rumors and team changes. This offseason has been a crazy run, with many top-tier racers changing teams and finding themselves without a sponsor for the coming season. Uh, one of the bigger ones, we've seen Loris Vergier move to Trek, cross-country legend Pauline Fernand Prevost, I think I pronounced that right, sorry PFP if I didn't, go to Absolute Absalon, and Emily Batty leave Trek after forever zinc off yt and many others brian can you shed some light as to why we've seen so many changes this year more than usual it's weird yeah it is weird um i mean contracts are up when contracts are up but i think that as we've talked about a bunch this year the the nature of sponsorship has changed dramatically and what i've noticed on big picture is that the people who traditionally have no, obviously not necessarily looking at this list that might not might not uh track but in large part the folks who are more resistant to doing social media stuff and and selling stuff and working beyond the racetrack are the ones that i think struggled this off season to extend their contracts um yeah i looking at the list that you just mentioned not the case but there are definitely some folks that have changed that have that have not gotten the contracts they wanted. Right. And we're expecting these brands to be looking for racers that are, you know, doing more than racing, aren't we, James? Yeah, hundred percent. I think Matt Rag mentioned it, um, in his predictions. And we've also talked about it on here. Um, when there's no racing going on, it's not enough to just be a racer. Right. So, um, whether you're going to see a lot of more vloggers, um or just your instagram feeds are going to be bombarded a bit more um oh, i think the role of a racer is more than ever now going to be racer slash influencer unless you're unless you're a top three yeah but those Very guys hard. kind of become influencers by proxy right like aaron Gwynn's, you know you wouldn't say oh i i love aaron Gwynn's instagram that he's always on there but he's got nearly half a million followers and he's like one of the most followed riders out there so um yeah i guess that's the it it, it kind of comes hand in hand but yeah i think a lot of my effort is going to be put in there yeah for any racer out there that doesn't want so to the, become an influencer if you just win a lot then you don't have to do as much influencing that's that the ticket such a good motivation to train it's like uh -huh. if i just train a little bit harder i won't have to suck up to brands on instagram it's good motivation it is you don't see i don't see greg menar on instagram all the time do you guys no, but to be fair, he's also the oldest World Cup racer, so he might be 
fall into like the category where he doesn't have to. He's grandfathered in. That's true. He gets a free yeah. pass. Yeah, he gets a free pass, maybe. Greg Menard, what's up, guys? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I want to tell you about my... <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Please never do that, Greg. No. Please. <laughs> Let's talk about one of the biggest off-season moves, Loris Vergier moving from Syndicate to Trek Factory Racing. James, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's, it's really um, probably one of the bigger ones and, and definitely one of the more unexpected ones, I think. Um, he seemed settled in at Santa Cruz. You know, he got his first, I think in his first season, he got his first win there in, in Andorra. Um, and then this year, again, you know, two more World Cup wins. Um, and, you know, it, when you watch the Syndicate videos, he was doing all his, you know, his chitter-chattering and, and he did that video with, with Petey and he looked like really sort of integrated into that setup. Um so yeah, that that was um, I think a big surprise to see him leave. Um, Trek kind of makes sense if um, we're right about this this potential new Trek session. You know, if they want to launch that and, and see instant success, then Loris Verger is one of the informed riders who could who could potentially bring that to them. Um, so yeah, a surprise, but um, I'm glad he's found his way into that Trek team. And yeah, that Trek team is really really stacked now. Um, probably top two or three strongest teams on the circuit i'd say like up there with common cell and specialized probably stacked with young talent too they have kate edwards charlie harrison and world champ reese wilson yeah when that team started was it last year that team started i think they were all under 23 or something and i don't think loris is much older than that so yeah there's um there's a lot of talent there uh, it's cool <laughs> to see andrew shandro running up heading that team and kind of bringing these new guys up through the ranks you know he people know he used to be a fast racer as well as free rider and now kind of he's in that sort of team just helping these kids find their part in the uh in the whole world cup scene so it's cool to see him still involved and his son is fast too so it's a good good program yeah we should also mention that his son is on that team as well and is fast as hell um but taking some time off for concussions james i think that's yeah that's right yeah i think another year Jeez. Yeah, scary. Scary stuff. Let's move on to the other biggest team signing news, and that is Pauline Ferrand Prevost switched to Absolute Absalon. Hey, James, how surprised were you on a scale of uh, one to 10? Yeah, kind of the opposite to Loris on this one. Obviously, um, Pauline and uh, Julian are partners. Are they married? I'm not sure if they're married, but they're sort of together. Um, And yeah, um, she's obviously like, super kind of prestigious um was winning she's current world champion won a world cup last year six-time world champion uh, including cyclocross and road and yeah she's um obviously like a super hot property and um yeah i think you know being kind of closer to her sort of family will will be a, a good move for her she's on bmc's now i think with rock shock suspension and before it was sun tour on and canyon canyon okay yeah um it's also worth noting she's fully focused on mountain bike racing this year like when she was with canyon she was part of their i forget what it's called but it's still like their road setup and she was doing like a bit of cyclocross a bit of road and kind of mountain bike um so at the last olympic she did the olympic road race and the olympic mountain bike race and it kind of didn't go very well for her she was kind of struggling with fatigue and, and things like that um, so this year she's she's sacked off the road and the cyclocross um, and is just doing 
um, mountain biking to, to kind of aim for that Olympic medal. Um, so I guess maybe moving with, with Julian has allowed her to take a bit more control over her program. And um, yeah, she can be fully focused on, on a gold medal this year now. Should we take bets on whether or not that uh, event happens? Ooh. The Olympics? Mm, that's I mean, is anybody going to bet that it does happen? Well, I think some people are betting that it does happen. A lot of athletes are betting and but team managers are betting. But yeah, they have is it supposed to be what, July now? August? Mm-hmm. I'll put $10 that it happens. <laughs> At what odds? I don't know. How much are you guys putting? I don't understand. I, don't I, feel, like, I feel like <laughs> saying it's not going to happen is a very... That's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. But I, mean, I also think as a team manager and an athlete, you got to prepare for things happening. It's not an easy time to be a top racer right now. I imagine with the, with the timelines and goals shifting like that. And I mean, normally yeah. it's pretty easy to be a top racer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> normally it's a pretty chill job. Yeah. <laughs> Just <Thanks>. relaxing. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the downhiller with the biggest balls on the circuit. Danny Hart signs with Cube. Top comment on this article. My bike says, how can he sit down with cubes that big? Comment gold goes to my bike. <laughs> 10 years old now, that run, but still is like the most commented thing on any Danny Hart article. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how annoyed he is by that. Mm. Maybe he's not annoyed at all. He might not be. I mean, it's a reference to him winning. So, yeah. At least it's not reference yeah. to a weird crash or something. So James, Cube is going full on pure racer here with Danny, aren't they? Yeah, it's kind of contrary to what we said, right? Like um where Danny, you know, he he's kind of generally avoids that media spotlight, I think it's fair to say. Um, never looks kind of the most comfortable in front of the camera. Um and, you know, the the Cube team has now shrunk, so they've gone from three riders to two. Um, so he's kind of come in to replace Gate Envige and Phil Atwell. Um, and we've also seen kind of that it looks like their Enduro team is going to be shrinking as well. So, I mean, it, it kind of looks like a lot of eggs in a pure racer basket in a World year. World are expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a year when racing, as we said, may not really happen or might be disrupted like last year, it kind of seems like a fair risk. It's interesting. It's, uh, you know, we had that poll up and I don't know actually the results, but as a team manager, do you, do you get a bunch of top 20 or 30 guys and girls, or do you try for the, the checkers or wreckers top fives? Hard, hard decisions. Uh, yeah, I don't kind of envy that job at all. I mean, I, Danny, I wouldn't call Danny like a checkers or wreckers no, guy. No, I think like he's a pretty consistent podium guy, you know, and he's also, I guess he's had some time on Giant, on Mondraker, on Madison, and like on every bike he's been on, he's, you know, been a podium threat. So like, Keeve had this new bike and it's a pretty safe bet that Danny will be able to podium on it this year. So yeah. James, was he on big wheels or small wheels? Last he was on concerts. mixed wheels last year. He was riding a mullet bike. He was riding a mullet, yeah. 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 So Cube has two downhill platforms. Well, it's the same same design. Uh, it's an aluminum bike with small wheels, and it's a carbon bike with big wheels. Do we do we have an idea of what he might use? The only thing I've seen him riding so far is the carbon 2.9er. Um, that's the new one. So I can't imagine Cube would want him on the old alloy one. Um, yeah. Um, he's kind of... Tried two nines when he was on Mondraker and switched back to 27 and then went to Mullet. But I don't know if that Mondraker was like designed around two niners or it was in that period when people were 
trying to kind of botch them so maybe this one will kind of suit him a bit better but yeah the videos i've seen so far and all the photos of him on the, the carbon 2 niner where's um where's phil what's his situation this year uh, i don't know i don't know still waiting to hear on that one um i'm sure like someone will pick him up he seems like too talented a rider with like that kind of core instagram youtube sort of following to to not be picked up by someone so yeah if I had to put you guys on the spot, how do you think Danny's going to do next year? I think he'll podium. I don't know if yeah, he'll that's win. Like his first season on Madison, I think he was podiuming by the end of the year. I can't remember his first season on Mondraker, but yeah, I think podium for sure. Do you guys put Danny in that, uh, I mean, this isn't the right term, but like that old guard category where... That's so weird. I know, I know. I know, right? Isn't it weird? Because I don't picture him that way, but he is in a different kind of realm compared to the young riders that are coming up, like Galoris, and he's been around a lot longer, hasn't he? Yeah, like we were just saying, that run, that Chambry run was 2011. That's crazy. Like It doesn't seem, I don't understand how the time goes by so fast. Uh, but yeah, I'd put him kind of in that old guard, but he knows he knows what it takes to get to the podium um, pretty consistently. So yeah, I'd put him in, I'm in the same same camp as you, James definitely a solid bet for podiums i don't think he'll win overall um but i I do think he'll be up there in the mix yeah back in those days he was like super loose um like the 2010 2011 seasons um but he's definitely like got that more like older race ahead now where he's kind of a bit more consistent i guess so yeah and to be fair we're talking about him as being or talking about him as being old but he's still like 29 i think so he's not exactly old in the, the grand scheme of things but Here's my bold prediction. Doesn't podium in 21, but wins the overall. <laughs> mm, bold. We'll see. Yeah, we need to get some kind of pool going on. <laughs> I just have to, I don't know. Should we talk about some free riders? Let's talk about some free riders, guys. Let's talk Emily about... Emily Batty. <laughs> <laughs> Sending it on the super caliber. <laughs> not anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> Let's talk about Jeff Golovich, local boy. Gully. Gully, so Gully is on Orbea. What was he riding last year, Ryan? He was on Focus before. Maximum Europe. Maximum That's where free riders go to finish out their careers, usually. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. My God. I, I mean, accurate, but wow, you can't do Gully like that. I like Gully, but you know, I mean, I think Schley started it when he went to, what did he go to, Rottweiled back in the day? I think. Dude's. Orbea is a whole different thing than Rottweiled or... No, I know. I think that, I think that free riders think have a little bit more... People remember them a little more in Europe. I think in Europe, in the US, our attention spans are shorter or something, but they seem to have yeah. a bigger following. It's like the Hasselhoff effect. The Hasselhoff uh, effect. I think it... <laughs> yeah, David Hasselhoff was so huge in, in Europe. Yeah, I, know, then, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I just invented that term, I think, but it's a good one. I'm going to stick with it. He That's why free riders get sponsorships in Europe. It's... He's I mean, who was the, the first free... You think it was Schley or do you think it was like Steve Romanuk or Bobby Roode or something? I don't think... Did Romanuk have a, a sponsor in Europe? Europe I think, sponsor? I think he had some Europe sponsor for a while. I don't think yeah. he ever did. I don't remember that. Because mm. I, mean, I feel like Schley had... it. When did Schley... He had North American sponsorship pretty late into his career, didn't he? When did he switch? Yeah, it just seemed like when he switched, because he was you know one of the older guys on the scene at the time when he switched, it's kind of like, oh, okay, that's his his move i think he's actually on yt now i believe yeah. but but either way yeah i just remember him being a rottweiler like what oh, okay. anyways that is not yeah, yeah the Orbea where's claw not the same thing where's claw claw doesn't have a ride 
that's insane to me. Yeah. I know it's different than it, things have changed a lot. You know, it's not 2010 anymore, but that's crazy. Someone sponsor Claw. He was on Canyon, right? right? The European brand? Two two years ago. Yeah. And last yeah. year, he didn't have a ride. He may actually have something this year, but I haven't heard. We've got to talk about another wild man who doesn't have a ride this year, and that's Cam Zink. Um, used to be on YT and did a lot of huge things. I can't imagine that somebody wouldn't pick Cam up. Yeah, he may have a ride. We just just hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. Where do you guys, where would be a good fit for Cam? Let's just pretend. If I had to guess, I think that some good fits for him might be Kona and Evil, mm-hmm. I think. Um, Kaz, what do you think? Yeah, Bellingham. Is there, have, has the Bellingham bat signal gone up for either of those? Uh, I mean, Evil doesn't have a downhill bike still. And we, we're, we'll talk about Aggie in a bit, but I don't see that as being a fit. Um, maybe Kona. Kona. I could see him. Yeah. Grab that operator. Cam Zink to Kona. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure though. They tend that's to not have pretty real, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one for him, but maybe he'll, I'm sure he'll find something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of wild men, Yoan Borelli. Brian, everyone thought we were going to sign Borelli to the Grim Donut factory team and then Gorilla Gravity swooped him up out of nowhere. Is that what happened? Just out of nowhere. Yeah. They just, they just outbid us. Yeah. No, it was, it was that we were, um, we were using children to make the bikes and Yoan just is too, too good of a guy. He didn't, he wasn't down with that. Children are the best welders. They have the most patience. No. And the little hands. Little to fingers, get in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, did we ever, was there ever a consideration for that? Cause I know some people were asking. Uh, you know, we've talked to Yoan about, about working on some projects together. Um, and there are some things going on with the donut that we'll talk about at some point. Um, and, uh, when the time comes for sure, we'll see if Yoan wants to be involved with that, but it, it wouldn't be instead of something like a deal with Gorilla Gravity. That's such a good fit. I'm, I'm really stoked for him. That makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah. Plus the bike's name is Nirvana and he's got his into the NAR thing going. It just all works out. Okay. We're taking it from hucking to cross country racing and Emily Batty. Now, I think Emily Batty has been racing on a track, well, professionally for at least 12 years, and I think many years before that on more of a local scene, and it doesn't look like she's going to be on a track anymore, does it, James? Yeah, um, well, it's, it's confirmed she's not on a track anymore. Um, yeah, um, we don't know where she's going yet, but it seems very likely that this kind of new North American team um, that her husband, coach and trainer, Adam Morker, is setting up um, is going to be where she'll end up. Um, so he did an interview with cyclingmagazine.ca. Um, he said, I've always wanted to build a race team for Emily to ensure she has more stake and say in partnership alignment, her performance environment and a solid succession plan for the day she decides she wants to retire from racing. Um so, I mean, it seems likely that that's where she'll end up. We don't know any details on kind of what bikes they'll be riding or anything like that yet. Um, but yeah, she spoke to Sarah actually in an interview 2019, just after World Champs. And she said part of what she missed that year while while racing for Trek was um, kind of being with Adam and him being at all the races. So it seems like she needs that kind of family environment around her and, and that kind of team. This team might give her that. Um so, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of all clicks together there. Um, but like I said, we, we kind of don't know what that means in terms of, of bikes yet. 
Yeah, Betty didn't have a great season last year by her standards, but she's still young, especially for being a, a female world-class cross-country racer. We see the longevity longevity can last a very long time. So I think she still has a long way to go, and I wouldn't bet against her next year. That's for sure. Yeah, that, that same interview said she'd be riding until at least Paris 2024. So although he like mentions the R word in, in that interview, like he's thinking long term there, you know, he's not right. he's not talking. You mean Paris 2027, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People are gonna keep stretching their careers out longer and longer with those Olympic dreams. Speaking of cross country and Olympic dreams, it has been all change at Specialized. Simon Andreasen, he's gone to Cannondale, and they've picked up Jordan Saru. James, did I pronounce that right? That's how I would do it. That doesn't mean it's right, right, but it's how I would do it. <laughs> and Cena Free Fry. Fry, yeah. <laughs> um, yep, these seem like good signings. Obviously, if you're signing the world champion, you probably can't go too far wrong, right? Um uh, jo- uh, jo- uh, sorry. Uh, Jordan's come over from uh, Absolute Absalom, where Pauline's now gone. Um so he's probably, yeah, he's probably going to do pretty well in the Rainbow Stripes, no doubt. Um, Cena Fry, also a great signing. Um, she's been racing on that all-women's ghost team. Um, they've been doing really well, um, really kind of developing young women. So uh, Antwerp's was on there. She's won uh, World Cups. Barbara Benko's on there. Um, Cena Fry moved up early um, from under-23s to race World Cups and has been pretty consistently top 10. Um, so, yeah, she looks to be another... Super fast XC woman. Cena is a boss. So I actually watch uh, a fair bit of women's cross country or women's cyclocross racing because it's it it's interesting. The men just seem to like just just hammer right, and they hammer until just people start falling off, falling off, falling off. But when you watch the women, there's a lot more interesting back and forth, and it seems like there's more strategy there. So I've seen Cena race, and she is a beast on a bike. So it'll be a good year next year. Moving from cross country to downhill and talking all things YT, Angel Suarez, Adolf Silva, and Valley Hall all leave the mob for 2021. Yeah, um, quite a lot of changes there. If you include Zinc in that as well, um, YT have big changes this year. Um, YT signed Valley at the age of 12. The press release uh, was called YT signs the 2022 world champion. So I guess they... I mean, it could still come true, but it looks like she won't be on YT if it does come true. Um, Just imagine if she won that 2022 world champion and YT signed her when she was 12 years old with saying that. Yeah, I know. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Um, They must be a bit disappointed they never got the chance to make it a reality themselves, I guess. Um, Especially having supported her from such a young age, but... um, yeah, um, it's definitely very interesting to see where she goes. She never really got a chance to to show how well she could do in seniors this year. Um, it looked like it was going to be very well, um, but obviously she got injured just before finals in World Champs. Um, but next year, she's kind of got no school. I think she's finished all of that now, and she can focus fully on racing, which is going to be a pretty intimidating prospect for the rest of the elite women. So it looks to me like YT has cleared house to make way for a huge signing. Graham Agassi. You can't say that. You fucking dick. What's it what? doing hating free riders? I'm not hating free riders. 
if no, it, honestly, just wait. If what if Graham goes to Rampage? What if Eggie goes to Rampage and wins? Then it all makes sense, and you'll be saying Levy was right. <laughs> Eggie absolutely could win Rampage. So everyone's agreeing with me that it makes complete sense. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that he signed with YT. Yeah, I think that that makes sense for his career and for a, a bigger company that could potentially support him more than he was in the past. I think it yeah seems like a good move. Tell me about the downhill side. How are they? How are they? sort of rebuilding that program. Yeah, and they've got Dakota Norton on there. It, it, did anyone else announce that they're on that team yet? No one else going. They're keeping um, Trummer and um, uh, Ocean, the junior, uh, who did oh, yeah. really well last year. Yes. Um, and the other guy, Johnson, the Kiwi junior, they they also picked up in that, that World Tour program. So for, for the downhill program, they are very much young talent, and for their free ride program, not so much. There's a World Cup racer who has a first name, Ocean. Yeah, he's yes. very, very fast, and he'll probably win a lot of things this year. Yeah, that's a strong that's team. Awesome. Yeah, it's a really strong team. For it's not spelled the way you'd think, Levy. He's Irish, correct? Oh. Is he, he's Irish. Yeah, yeah he's Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's O I S I N. Keeping it on the downhill bikes, we also have Ali Elliot Jackson on Santa Cruz. Yeah, that's cool too. I mean, that's a good, good fit there. I think he's been buddies with those guys for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of cool to see see what he does i think it's kind of more of a we're gonna not gonna see him do full world cups or anything like that but um but yeah good to see him back at some races hopefully yeah, just to just to clarify is he on santa cruz or is he actually racing for the syndicate he's on santa cruz yeah he's on santa, on he's santa not cruz the he'll be i think he'll be doing you know correspondence from world cups and still working with red bull and doing his own thing i'd love to see elliot hit a start line or two We'll see. So before we move on from Elliot Jackson, I did want to address a comment from a PB user. I'm not even going to use this Ask Clowns username, though. Uh, He says, what is Elliot signed for? UCI Downhill or just another voice on the scene? Seems like a good guy, but a waste of money for Santa Cruz, regardless of the position, unless they are interested in a bunch of tech bullshit after a race. That's all I have ever seen from this feller. One of you guys want to jump on that? Uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's not even the worst comment. There was some super. Didn't want super, to say the worst worst. Yeah, well, we're not going to say the worst worst. That person doesn't have privileges on pink bike anymore. Like, come on, such shitty comments. Yeah, I mean, I say overall there were good comments for Elliot because Elliot's an awesome dude. And with any any team signing a a personality that tends to be doing more of that kind of facing the public rather than just racing, it's good for everybody. Like Elliot's the most approachable guy. And so if you see him, you know, at a race or an event, you can go up and chat with him, And that's good for a, a brand, somebody that you can, that's represented you well. Like there's no, yeah. Newsflash sponsorship is to sell bikes. And I guarantee you, Elliot sells more bikes than a, a lot of top 20 racers. Yeah. It's a, it's a good pick there. I also really like tech bullshit after a race. So <laughs> Yeah. keep yeah. it coming elliot G- yeah give me more tech bullshit <laughs> we're gonna do a bit of a u-turn we're gonna go back to trek katie winton has left and they've actually re-signed reese wilson and do we think trek is going to be signing anybody else as well james or is that team wrapped up um uh, i've not heard any suggestion that they might be um do you know something that i don't I don't know. I meant to include this part when we were talking about Trek earlier, but I didn't scroll low enough, so I forgot to include yeah. it. So I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, just to round things off, um, it's a bit of a chain for Katie. Um, she's kind of always knocking on the door at that kind of EWS top five podium. She obviously had the big 
concussion last year. I think that, that set her back a bit, but hopefully she's able to pick herself up and, and find some sort of program, especially as there's a schedule to be a, a home race for her this year. It's back in Scotland this year on the track she kind of trains on. So that would have been a something she, you know, should have like circled many times in her calendar as something to target. So hopefully she can pull pull together a good program for that. Reese Wilson did re-sign. I think there was a bit of chat at the start of the year um, that maybe he had other offers or was leaving. But um, yeah, I don't think that lasted very long. I think Trek were very keen to keep him, as you would be, um, world champion. So yeah. And there's also some big changes at Cell, isn't there, James? We've seen Remy Tyrion leave there. Yeah, this one was a shock to me. Uh, it seems to be a bit of a shock to Remy too. Velover is a French magazine. Um, they reported when the news broke, they said that um, Tyrion was expecting to renew um, at World Champs, but it kind of never materialized after his contract ended. Um, I guess it just goes to show, you know, like Tyrion has been there since kind of the start of that team in its in its current form. He won in Andorra, kind of the home track and and kind of did really great again at Worlds this year in the Gang, but there's kind of no room for sentimentality at this level. And if you had to pick between him, Amory or, or Thibaut, the, the young racer who's coming through, um, you know, he, he's lost out there and, and, and the other two have stayed on. Are you saying you wouldn't pick Remy? I'm saying of those three, I wouldn't pick Remy. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, I actually think that Comensal has generally does do, is a pretty family affair and does, put in the time to build racers up and 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 invest early and often and so you know there is there are a lot of brands out there who are much more like you just go buy a fast engine and and try and get your rainbow stripes but comments all isn't generally one of those so this is an interesting move i'm i was surprised too from one remy to another remy metallier is also leaving cube you might have seen remy metallier riding some ridiculous lines in his videos this year and he won't be doing it on a cube anymore james do we have any idea where he's going i don't i assumed you guys would would know being scorish based i have no idea over here yeah not yet we'll see i think comments would be a good fit he's already been there that would be a return i think you're right <laughs> <laughs> well he already knows everybody there yeah. Perfect. <laughs> hey guys i'm back <laughs> do you have, have you can you guys think of many racers that have like returned to teams i'm sure it's happened yeah. mm. do you know some mm. can't think of off the top of my head that's why i asked hmm good question for Was, the listeners Somebody you tell guys, us. Was Cody Kelly? Somebody tell us. Do you guys know any racers? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, there's also a difference between somebody who had an ambassador deal with somebody and then got picked up by somebody else and then went back to the team that he had an ambassador deal with as a as a factory rider. That's not quite the same. But like, is there a factory racer who's left a big brand and then gone back a couple years later? It'd be like if, if Loris went back to Specialized, say, or something like that. I don't... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can't think of him. Or Greg went back to Haro, something like that. <laughs> nice. We are going to wrap this up with Sam Hill trolling Pinkbike. Sam Hill signed for, to CRC for another three years, but it didn't look like that, did it at first, James? He made a social post that looked like he might be retiring. Uh, it didn't to me. Did it to anyone else here? Well, it kind of looked like that. It certainly looked like, it certainly looked like his time with, with Nukeproof CRC was over. 
And it was open ended, James. Yeah. It, no, it was. I'm being <laughs> I'm being facetious because I know Brian wrote it. Um, but <laughs> um, uh, yeah, definitely. Like he wrote it in that format, right? Like, oh, thanks. You know, happy memories and titles worth in all of this. Just want to say thank you. Um, yeah. The top comment. <laughs> the top comment is so good. <laughs> just told my wife the last decade being with you has been wonderful, and I just want to say thank you. She got angry and is now staying at her sister's house. That's from Akali. Amazing, <laughs> amazing comment. And exactly. Yeah. You don't, he didn't officially say the thing and he was clearly having fun with us, which is good. You should. Brands should Clever marketing. Yeah. Clever marketing. Very good. Because nobody cares if it was just Sam Hill resides for another three years to the same team. Right. But just everybody know that does mean that we're, that he's on our list for April Fool's or something. We'll have to do something. Has to be. Yep. All right. And that is it for our team coverage so far. Stay tuned. There's probably going to be some more updates in the future. We're going to move on to comment gold. And the first one is from Upduro. I like the name. It's on the Trek being sued article. Top comment. He says, looks like a court session. Ayo. It's pretty good. (laughs) He gets 10 pig bug points for sure. Uh, the other one, these are on Loose Rider Sign, 57-year-old former skateboard pro, Mark Partain. KCY4130 says, damn it, Pink Bike, first you post videos of a bunch of children who ride way better than I do. Now you post a video of a guy 20 years older than I am who also rides way better than I do. I think you got to get used to that, KCY4130, when you're on the internet, everyone's better. What, where would you, if you, if you could choose Levy, if we were building out a rewards program, where would, where would you, um, redeem your pink bike points? Oh shit. Uh, well, I mean, Tim Hortons. <laughs> we'll get, right. Yeah. Fair. I don't know. Are you getting me a gift? Is this, is pink bike thinking of pl- paying me with Tim Hortons gift cards? Uh, I mean, that would be a change from paying you in gas station hot dogs, vegan <laughs> hot dogs. <laughs> I will take them. Vegan. Yeah. <laughs> My body is a temple, everybody. 7-Eleven has vegan hot dogs? <laughs> I assume. News to me. Yeah. All right. Underneath the Reese Wilson re-signing with Trek article, uh, PB user Reese says, this is, Reese is actually a filmer that has, has worked with us on projects in the past. Reese says, is he the first guy to ride for both Trek and Giant at the same time? Also good. This is from everybody joking yeah, this is from everybody joking about the other Reese, the Freerider Reese, who rides for Giant. And finally, on Gully signing with Orbea, Map Guy says, that Pink Bike Academy guest appearance paid off. Sure did. He just grabbed the bike. And he's like, I'm sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gully. All right, everybody, that is it for episode 41, Team Rumors and Rider Sponsorship Changes. Hit us in the comments below if you have any other news as far as that stuff goes and stay tuned for the next episode. We'll see you next week.